everybody. Welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to discuss money in a relationship with Erica Young. You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnet. Did I ever tell you about that time I was 16 and my dad gave me a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki? I read that book and I was completely inspired to start investing. And I started out with putting my first paycheck from a retail job into a Roth individual retirement account. And now the rest is history. I've been investing ever since. And now I invest in real estate. In my latest course, The Purpose of Money Maximizer, I'll teach you how to leverage the power of life insurance to leave a guaranteed legacy, create the wealth you've always wanted, and so much more. I'm sharing so many gems about how to leverage life insurance that you definitely want to get in this course so you can learn them too. If you're interested, check out thepurposeofmoneymaximizer.com. That's www.thepurposeofmoneymaximizer.com. I can't wait to see you inside, and I hope you use all these gems. Erica Young is a speaker, financial coach, and best-selling author of Naked and Unashamed, 10 Money Conversations Every Couple Must Have. During the 18 years her firm, TaylorMade Budgets, has been in business, Erica has helped over 500 families crush debt so that they can design a vibrant and intentional life. Working up close and personal with her clients has given her a unique perspective on what it takes to win with money. Erica also believes that personal finance goes beyond the numbers. And as a result, Erica has developed creative ways to break down the mental and experience-based barriers to financial success. Today, she brings the life-giving message to corporations, banking institutions, and college campuses everywhere so that everyone can have a path to true financial freedom. Hey, Erica, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I am excited to have this conversation. Most people think because I'm a financial coach, I'm not going to have another financial coach on my show. And I said, nope, I am. And I can't wait to talk about money with her. Yes, yes. We're all in this together. There's plenty of people out there that we need to help. And we all have different approaches. So I think that that is wise to kind of mix it up a little bit. Exactly. And you have a different perspective because you focus on couples. But before we get into all of that, I'm going to take it back a little bit, okay? Because I want to know, what was money like for you when you were growing up? If it was summed up in a word, it would be hard. Um it would be a roller coaster if it were a verb um, or if you could imagine that there's a feast and famine lifestyle quite a bit. Some of the money messages that I heard was wait till payday or we don't have that right now or I'm broke. And so these messages were things that formed in me a hesitance, if you will, to really step out and do something different with money when I did have some. And also, it helped me to understand that if I did want to experience some financial freedom, then I would need to educate myself because I didn't come from a family that knew a lot about financial 
management and growth in terms of investments and things like that. Um, sometimes it was tough. Uh, I came from a single parent household and it it just wasn't super easy to make ends meet. And so I have much respect for all the single moms out there. Totally thankful for my mother and her experience and know that she worked super hard to get where we were and where she was at that time. But money was not an easy thing. <laughs> it was not an easy thing. But I think it also is a part of my journey and I have much respect for that and and I've learned a ton by just being a a learner of all different parts of my life and those that that I love as well and so even though the experiences weren't super awesome um that doesn't mean that I can't learn from them I love that and I say my mom was a full-time entrepreneur raising me and my mom my dad was in the military um and remarried so they were divorced from when I was young so I had not a roller coaster, but different, different days, right? Month to month, the life of an entrepreneur, money was different every month, depending on how well the business went. So I can definitely relate to some of the things that you talked about. And then also knowing from that experience what not to do, right? Like, I think that's the beauty in learning from those who have raised us and our family and those around us is learning what to do, what not to do, and then what you need to do. So in your case, you said you needed to get educated. So what was your aha moment? Like what exactly happened to you where you were like, okay, enough is enough. Let's get this money right. Well, I had a baby <laughs> and those babies change everything. My husband and I were married just over a year and I had a baby and our car, car broke down and we did not have enough money to get it fixed. And so this was an engine engine that need, was needed for the vehicle. And this was over 20 years ago and it was a thousand dollars and we just didn't have it. And so Knowing that we had to take care of this tiny itty bitty human and we also had one vehicle, hubby, hubby had to go to work and sometimes I would feel stranded at home or I would have to take him to work. It, like just what it created in our household. And we had to make some decisions about this in order for me to get back to work because I was not able to be a stay at home mom. We had too much debt. And so I think the pivotal moment for us was really knowing that we didn't have enough money to take care of our vehicle, which was our basic need for both of us to be able to work. And that, that was scary. It was really scary. And that was the moment where we said, we got to draw a line in the sand and we've got to figure this thing out so that we're not feeling like this the next time an emergency arises. Yeah, facts. So what is it that you were, at that time you just had a baby, so you weren't working at the moment, but what type of background or career were you into at that time? Yeah, I'm actually an engineer by trade. So I went to school, got an engineering degree, and I worked in engineering for seven years. I always thought that I would be that woman with the briefcase going into corporate America and all of that. And the truth of the matter is that my kids kind of changed a lot of that in me. And then getting out of debt helped me to see that I was missing that people interaction. Like I would love to help other people get out of debt or have a budget. And so I was, I'm still a nerd. I still love the numbers, but 
I just did not get the same satisfaction from that work that I do from helping someone uncover what's been holding them back from their own personal financial freedom. And so that was what caused the career shift. And it was a great income that I walked away from. But honestly, it's been 17 years since I walked away from that job as of October. And that is like, I never look back. Uh, You know, there's no regrets. I, I definitely know that this was my calling. I know this is exactly where I needed to be, the impact I needed to be making. And so that was a part of my journey. And this also is a big part of my journey because this 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 career has lasted more than twice as long as that one. Yeah, that's that's proof in the pudding right there. But I'm I'm so amazed. So how did you prepare for that transition? Did you leap or did you plan? I felt it was a little of both. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, We thought we had planned, but I think we didn't realize how much we needed to plan. So what I mean by that is we were out of debt by the time that I took the leap. It took us five years to get out of 90 plus thousand dollars in debt. And then I took the leap after we had about three months of emergency funds saved. And what I now tell entrepreneurs is have more than that saved, because honestly, that's really not going to take you super far if something happens when you have one working person um, and we're trying to build a business. And so we thought we had planned and we thought we had we had done something. I don't know that it was enough, but I will tell you, I'm a faith person and I had to be obedient because there was a day that I was laying in bed and I just felt very, very strongly God say to me, you're being disobedient. Like I'm staying too long. You're trying to wait for the perfect moment and it's never a perfect moment. And so I got up that morning. Well, that was a Saturday. I went to work on Monday and that's when I turned in my resignation. And so um, I really was waiting for what I thought was going to be this, you know, everything, all the stars aligned and all of that. And really, it was just about taking that leap in that moment, even if everything wasn't perfect. Oh, child, I, I just have to say you speaking to me, but you ain't speaking to me. <laughs> We're just going to leave it right there for a minute. But I am currently in a nine to five running a successful business and asking myself and the Lord, you know, when. Do you want this to happen? I have a date in my head that I believe he supports, but I want to leave so sooner. Yeah. (laughs) I actually had a date and I called my husband during a time when I worked for Motorola. Um, That division became Freescale at the time and they were having layoffs and voluntary and involuntary. And I called him and I said, honey, they just announced layoffs and I want to leave so bad. And we weren't out of debt at that point. We still had payments and we still didn't have enough for an emergency fund. Like it was not the best timing, really. And I was just I could just feel myself really feeling like, oh, my gosh, I just don't think I can do it. And frankly, It was really only 10 months later when I actually decided to step away. And 
I feel like that was the plan that like we executed on the plan. We needed us to be out of debt because frankly, our debt was over $1,200 a month. Um, and that last payment was the student loans. And so frankly, that, that represented probably 10 to $15,000 that, you know, we wouldn't have paid off in that time. And so it, it was wise to wait because we would have probably struggled to keep up with everything. But, um, Gosh, I just felt it in my heart. I was like, uh, I'm so ready to go. <laughs> I love it. Wise to wait. No, I'm 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 okay. I'm not like I'm not leaping just yet, but I am definitely putting all my ducks in order and giving myself options. That's what I tell people. Like sometimes it's okay to have options. It's okay to have a job. Not everybody is meant to pursue entrepreneurship full time either. And so I think that's another thing. But it's nice to have a choice. You know what I mean? And to be like, this is my passion and I can afford to pursue it full time where so many people just don't find themselves in that position or they don't put themselves in that position. Yep. So that's what I really like about your story. So that's really cool. So tell me a little bit more about your exact path, though. What is it that taught you that you were good at helping people with money? You know, tell me about that first, I don't know, story that made you feel like I can do this. And I can help more people just like them. Yeah. Well, honestly, um, what we went through in terms of our journey was super, you know, that was that was the biggest one is that I knew I could do it for myself. Like I, that was just proof in the pudding. Um, I just read as many books as I could. I went to classes. I took all the classes at our at our, you know, my employer. I just did all the things. And so I just was. I could tell I was very interested, first of all, and that I wasn't tiring of learning about this thing. How do you manage money? How do you get out of debt? What does this mean to invest? All of that. Very interested in that. Um, And then there was this moment where I went to a women in business boot camp with a friend of mine, and I saw an entrepreneur on a panel who started a business from nothing. And I just was so mesmerized by her story. And I thought, man, she started something from nothing. And that's kind of what I think I want to do. And then I shared that with my pastor. He said, oh, I've got a couple people that I want you to work with and just see if you like it. Right. And so I did that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Like I would see the light bulbs go on for someone. They're like, oh, I get it now. Oh, this makes so much sense. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. And and it wasn't even that they had huge wins. They just had wins that made a, a huge difference in that moment, right? Um, and I think the biggest thing that I did that kind of solidified everything, this was before I left the nine to five, is I sent a letter to everybody that I knew. This was back in the time where we actually sent snail mail. (laughs) (laughs) And I sent it to, I just committed to sending it to 100 people. And I just shared my heart and the fact that we had really got excited about personal finance and our journey. And just so much support came from that. I did get my first six paying clients from that. But in addition to that, I just got a lot of people who were like, oh, Erica, that's awesome. That's so great. And the interest around it, or they would send me to a networking group where they would connect me with a financial planner. Like there was a buzz that was created when I sent that out. And 
I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I can do this. And so this, it became more physical than just theoretical. And that's when I really began to believe, oh, this is something I can do. So yeah, working, you know, for free for a couple of people just to see if I liked it. And then um, just seeing the interest level and people willing to send my information on or say, raise their hand and say, I want to become one of your first clients. That was when I knew I really wanted to go down this path and pursue it for real. Absolutely. I love that. And I tell people that all the time. Sometimes you got to do it for free, learn what your niche is going to be and solidify your skills, but use those testimonials. That's priceless, right? Getting that testimonial from those who you've helped impact. And so I think that's super helpful. And I think that um, that'll be very valuable to a lot of my listeners here today. So now I want to kind of transition a bit because you are also an author. You wrote Naked and Unashamed, 10 Money Conversations Every Couple Must Have. So let's talk about what inspired you to write this book. And then I want some tips, girl. You know, we come here to listen, okay? (laughs) And we want to take action. So I want to know what some of these money conversations are, too. Yeah. So I wrote the book because not everybody is my client. That's the honest truth. Um. I wanted to be able to reach more than just those who would work with me one-on-one. In the time that I've been a coach, I've had over 500 clients, but a book can be in the hands of so many different people beyond that number. And so I just really wanted to have a tool that people can use at an, an easy way. People can get to know who Erica is. And then for those who wanted to decide whether or not, you know, coaching was right for them, they had an easy way to do that. I also wanted to begin to get on stages. And so that was something easy to sell at the back of the room when, you know, I was going to organizations who, you know, I was just starting out at places where they might not have had a huge budget and that kind of thing. And I just wanted to practice my skills. And, but a book, like I, the, the first time I went to an event and I sold like 25 books, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so I just really wanted to be able to put something in the hands of people that was more impactful than a business card. And it has been that. It has really been that. It's been really nice to um, to know that I can leave somebody with something that is a piece of me. And that that has just really been, it's been great. So um, that's that's pretty much why I wrote the book. And I think that it's made a difference to a lot of people. It's so interesting. My daughter is a young adult now. And it's funny because I'm about to give her this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll love it. If she hasn't already picked up some of the tips just by being around you, what do you think is some of the most common challenges with most couples when it comes to money and how do you think they should solve it? Everybody wants to get on the same page and I think they're doing it wrong. People assume that getting on the same page means that you're supposed to agree agree on everything, that you have to do it the same way, or if um, someone doesn't do it this way, or even the way an expert tells you that you're made wrong. And so I think getting on the same page is different. I see it as finding the commonality, right? So you're finding where you agree. You are finding 
the goals that you're wanting to go to together. My husband and I have been together for 24 years and we do not agree on everything, even finances. Like there's, there are some things about finances that we just don't agree on and that's okay. We've been able to be successful in our relationship and also to grow our net worth, even though we don't agree on everything. And I think that the misconception tends to cause people to seek out the wrong things first. The other thing that I will say is sometimes folks aren't ready to start with the numbers. So I think it's, there's usually a nerd and a free spirit in a coupling here. And I think that the nerd will tend to say, well, we just got to do a budget or we just need to look at the debt and pay this stuff off or whatever. And the free spirit is like, I am not engaged in this. I do not feel like talking about the numbers. I hate numbers. Why are you saying this to me? And the, the challenge is that you have come and approached your spouse from the wrong angle. I think you have to find where you agree and figure out what your their goals and dreams are. What, did it, what is it that they want? What is their motivation even? Um, you've got to speak to their motivation or they're not going to hear anything you say. And so I think that that's one of the biggest things that people end up sort of approaching from what I might call a backwards position. They're not really seeing that it doesn't have to begin with numbers and you don't have to have complete agreement in order to have financial success. I love that. And that's actually a new perspective. I've never had anyone say that on the show and I definitely love it. How you just said some people are trying to get on the same page, but they're doing it wrong. But it's true. Like my husband and I have been together, married for 14 years, together for 19. And we've had plenty of things we didn't agree on, but yeah. we've talked through it. And I think the communication has made the relationship grow. But also sometimes I'm persuaded. I'm like, you know, why you make some really good points and I'm the money nerd but I didn't think about it that way he's not a free spirit completely he's still frugal in a lot of ways but he he and I both like to spend money on the things that we like you know good experiences travel the things that we really enjoy and so we'll sacrifice in other areas like maybe the grocery lists and picking name brands all the time. Sometimes we'll pick the not so name brand products. Uh, it really just depends on what we're trying to do. Um, but we definitely have our similarities on what we like to spend money on. And then we've also set up some rules like I don't know if this is one of your tips, but for us, you know, my husband is in a career where he gets bonuses. So. Yeah. We talk about it. I never take for granted the assumption that he's going to want to put his bonus into the family fund because I'm like, you worked really hard for that. But remember, when you're not here, we're holding it down and it's hard, you know. So mm -hmm. he actually says, OK, I want to get a gift for myself for my bonus and then the rest the family can have. And I've been like, okay, cool. I think that's great. And we'll tie it off of it. You know, we'll save some, we'll invest some. But I like that because some people might get upset and say, no, you're supposed to spend it this way or that way. And that could be an argument, but yeah. we never argue. We're just like, this is how it makes the most sense for us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I agree. I mean, my husband has been in sales for many years. And so same thing, you know, I, I, the thing is, is I want him if that that costs buy in, first of all, like get 
sitting back and saying, he earned it. He earned this and let him figure out what is the thing or whatever it is he, he wants first. And then, and giving space for that. And the other part of it is just understanding that the big picture goals will get taken care of, right? And so if we're on the same page about the big picture goals, some of that money will go there anyway, right? It'll be natural. It just doesn't have to be forced by the other party who didn't earn the money, right? I think there is a way that we communicate that can be very helpful and benefit everyone. And and I think that that is, I think it's wise to let folks know that you respect the work that they have done to earn the dollars and is, you know, making sure that that goes both ways. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's important for couples to learn how to communicate about everything, you know, so they don't argue about anything. Um, But you, you have to come to an understanding and sometimes it may require that you walk away Think about mm-hmm. it independently and then come back together. Yeah. What are some of your, I guess, favorite tips when partners are striving for a particular goal, but they may not make the same amount financially? So you have one couple that makes significantly more than the other couple. What are some of the tips that you have for them when they're trying to discuss money or build a budget or save for that goal? I think it's important to understand, does it matter to either party and how much does it matter, right? So what's important to them? So is it important that the expenses, for instance, are divvied up in a way that reflects one spouse is one partner is is earning twice as much as the other? Is that important, right? So let's talk that through. Does that make a difference to you? And being willing to hear that maybe, yes, it does, (laughs) right? Like listening and hearing that. And then, and I think it's also really important to understand if, if it does matter, then how, let them dream about what it looks like to create your own financial plan for your household. Because I really believe that every household's Financial plan needs to be different. No household is the same. No makeup is the same. And so every budget, spending plan, whatever you want to call it, or investing strategy or debt reduction strategy can be unique to that household. And I think it's important that you hear out the person, each person on how they see this happening, right? So what's important to you? What matters most? And then let's see how can we incorporate that, right? And so um, the biggest thing that I will say, though, no matter who's making what, <laughs> it is Each person needs to have a little bit of miscellaneous money. There needs to be some money that just doesn't have a conversation, right? No one wants to talk about having gone to the 7-Eleven and spent $5. Nobody wants to have that conversation. And and so I think that there needs to be at least um, coming to the table with we're each going to have this amount or you get this amount or you get this amount or whatever, I call it miscellaneous dollars. I do not call it an allowance. No one's allowing anybody to do anything, but you just have a little slush fund or stash money or whatever that you don't have to talk about because one less conversation is a win. And that's the honest truth because there's tons of things around money that you need to talk about. We do not need to talk about $10 here and there. 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> he said a win is a win and we do not need to allow other people to do anything. So <laughs> let's talk about that then. What are your top three conversations that every couple must have? And then they're going to have to read the book for the other seven. There you go. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big picture. The book is in three sections. So when you talk about your money past, then you talk about your money's present situation, your current circumstances, and then you talk about your money future or your money's future potential. And so I think it's important that people think about the fact that it's not just about what's happened today. It's about everything you learned as a child around money, the money messaging, what you witnessed, what you experienced, the first thing you did with money um, yourself when you were your own income earner. And that brings perspective as to why people bring whatever baggage they have or their preconceived notions or lack of education on money. You get to learn something very vital about a person when you understand their past money story. Um, and then the current circumstances. I think one of the hardest things that my husband and I did when we were in premarital counsel was we got our credit reports because the pastor said, get your credit report. And then all he did was hand mine to Chris and Chris's to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Facing that present circumstance was super vulnerable and very uncomfortable, but necessary for us to understand where we stood right now. And so that's a part of the money present. I mean, that literally took care of understanding how much debt we each had. And I mean, frankly, there's no other secret that I could tell him around money (laughs) Um, that was bigger than that. And so that created a serious conversation between the two of us on how we were going to work through all of our debt. And then the other conversation is about your future, dreaming about what it is that you want. Where do you see yourself in 10 years or in 20 years? Or what do you want for your kids? Or do you want children? And where do you want to live? And how does that look? Um, Like dreaming about the future, even if that future is six months away, is vital to, um, you know, any type of coupling situation because you want to make certain you're going in the same direction. Right. And I think that that is so important if we can identify what are the things that make each person light up and get excited. And then we know how to help encourage them or we know how to support them or we know what, you know, makes their button, um, you know, flicker. Like, I think it's just so important for us to have that dreaming conversation about the future because that just wakes up the motivation to even get some of this stuff done. Like maybe you talk about that first and then you start saying, okay, so hmm, maybe now I will commit to that budget because I really want this in the future. Right. And so it it just puts everything together really nicely. I, I agree with you. And we're all human motivated by different things. So I like what you said in the beginning about like finding out what motivates your spouse so that you can 
really use that to connect you in the money conversation versus starting at a point that doesn't interest them like the numbers if they're not Mm -hmm. into the numbers as much as you are. So I think Mm -hmm. that's really good. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation on money and relationships because we did a lot. We went through some tips that you can utilize when talking about money with your partner. We talked about different ways to approach the bills if you are someone who makes different Uh, income from your partner. And we definitely just kind of dived into other ways to help you with your finances. And so even if you are not booed up and sharing finances, I think these tips will be really helpful to you and how you handle your money and help you prepare for your boo. Because I think that's just as important as being in a relationship with a partner. But shout out to your pastor for doing the credit check swap. Like, that's so funny. Giving your future spouse your credit report so you can look at it. No shame, no judgment, but know what's there. That is the ultimate naked experience, if you ask me, right? It it really was. It really was. It it wasn't for the faint of heart. I'll be honest, a lot of my clients um, over the years have been very nervous about that, that information in particular. And so, we we face it head on before we even said I do. <laughs> I agree with you. And I agree that that's important. My husband and I actually started to look for our financial advisor a year before we got married, which was right after he proposed. So I was like, you're ready for marriage. So am I. Let's get our finances together so we could be on the same page by the time we said I do. So I definitely love that. I have one question for you, though. Are you team shared bank account or individual bank accounts? I am team shared bank accounts. Yes, because it's full transparency, right? It's it's full transparency. Now, the funny thing is, it's easy for me to say that because I do have a business where that's a separate account, right? Um, but you know, those are numbers that I do also share with my husband. It's just that he's not in that account looking at stuff all the time like he could with our personal checking. But, um, yeah, I am team shared accounts. And and I will say, I think what, what I have found in my work is that people are more averse to the shared account when they've been burned by a past relationship around money. And so they have some past pain, some hurt that is preventing them from opening up fully in that way. And the other thing is, I'd usually tell people if there is mismanagement with money, that might be something to work towards because it's not necessarily the right thing to do right away if someone is constantly overdrafting the account and some healthy habits need to be in play with finances. So we always are looking to work towards that. Um, and that might be a process. That's actually something that I addressed in, in my book as well, because I think you kind of need some steps to get there when you've had some not so good experience with trying to be, you know, one with your money. So it's being a team couple could be a process, you know, but it takes time. takes time, takes work, but if you're willing to do the work, it is worth it. All right. So. The name of the podcast is called The Purpose of Money. So I ask all of my guests this question. What is your purpose for money? I have a couple purposes for money. Um, freedom is one. Flexibility is another. And fun. 
I like to enjoy my money. So I think, you know, financial freedom, of course, just, you know, gives you the opportunity to do what you want. And I'm so thankful um, that we're in a place where that can, is, this, is the case. And then um, flexibility, honestly, like my business provides that for me. And, um, you know, I'm not doing a nonprofit. This is this is a for-profit business. And I just love the fact that, you know, the exchange of expertise and content and that kind of thing can afford me the opportunity to have that flexibility. And I think you should enjoy your money. I love to travel. Um, I'm eagerly awaiting my next trip come uh, February and April of next year. And so, um, yeah, it's, you should be able to enjoy. And, and I think that that is your reward for all of the things that you do to earn it. So enjoy it too. Absolutely. Now, you know, I'm going to wait till we get out the air, but I want to know where we going. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we got some exciting things. Next year is year 25, so. Ooh, yes. So y'all going to have an anniversary party or just the two of you? It's just going to be us. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So... Before you go, please tell my listeners, how can they find you, follow you, stalk you, work with you, all the things so they can hang out with Erica Young a little bit longer? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Erica Young Official. And my website is ericayoung.com. Feel free to reach out to me to have me come into your workplace and do some financial wellness programming. I love working inside of financial institutions, doing professional development, as well as in companies as an employee benefit. So that is what I'm up to now. All right. I love it. So guys, if you're interested, check her out. I'll make sure to include all of those links in the show notes so you can like, follow, subscribe, and stalk. (laughs) (laughs) I hope this has been helpful to you guys. Until next time, keep building generational wealth. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep creating freedom in your life today.